And the thing I always say to parents is we're neither uh, carpenters or sculptors. Our job is not to turn our kids into something. We're gardeners. Our job is to nurture them to be the best version of themselves. Hello, Blissful Parents out there. Michelle Abraham, your host of Blissful Parenting. I'm really excited to be here today with Alan Stevens. And I'm going to introduce you to Alan in a second here, but let's just say hi first. Hi, Alan. How are you? Pretty good. Thanks, Michelle. How are you? Good. Excellent. Alan's coming to us all the way from Australia. So I'm glad that you got up so early in the morning to meet with us today. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Uh, it's my pleasure. Awesome. Well, let me tell our blissful parents a little bit more about you, Alan. Alan is an international profiling and communication specialist. He's regularly featured on national television, radio, and the world's press, profiling the likes of our leading politicians, TV, sports stars, and Britain's royalty. So you've been referred to by the UK Guardian as the leading authority on reading people globally and the mentalist meets Dr. Phil by the Herald. Well, Alan, that's pretty exciting. <laughs> Alan, is, you've worked with clients like Disney Films, Gillette, and all sorts of high-profile organizations like the Australian Federal Police to help them understand how people tip. So, Alan, I think that's really interesting, and I'd love to know a little bit more about what you do. Your latest project is an initiative is called the Campfire Project. The Campfire Play Project is a safe place for men and women to give themselves permission to tell their stories, share their experiences of wisdom from around the world. And this is the We Together initiative. So, Alan, I love what you're up to in the world. And you were just telling me that you and your granddaughter are working on a project as well together, uh, got her started as a young entrepreneur, which is really exciting too. So tell us a little bit more about how you guys started as a profiler and also then how can, uh, and we'll dive into then how that can relate to our parents and how our parents can use some of your amazing tools and tricks to help um, have better communication with their kids. Thank you. Well, originally I wasn't very good at reading people. I've had two divorces. I've had business partners who had uh, emptied the bank out. And along the way, I realized I needed to understand people more effectively. And I used to use psychometric profiling, Myers-Briggs, DISC, and other programs like that where you ask people questions. The only problem with that is that people will answer those questions depending on what they're feeling at the time. And so they may not be too accurate. And uh, with I was working with a company that taught currency trading. And none of their students made any money. So they brought me in to have a look. <laughs> we used to use those old systems, didn't get any results. And then I thought, well, we've got to find something else. And somebody just mentioned to me one day, have you ever looked at reading faces? And I thought, that sounds interesting. So after a, a bit of a drive back, I was doing this presentation back to my home, Google and see what I can find. And I found uh, Paul Ekman in the, the States who did the all the research on the micro expressions, little twitches on the face that give away your feelings and emotions. And another lady, an English lady who lives in California, uh, Naomi Tickle, who worked with the facial uh, features. So I looked at both of those and I thought, this sounds pretty good. So I trained with both groups and then put my own program together. So the way I work is your facial features tell me your personality. Then you've got, I know how to talk to you, change the way I like to be spoken to, to match the way that you want to be spoken to. And then I uh, use the, um, the body language and the micro expressions to work out, have I read you right? Is there something emotionally going on? And are you telling me the truth? <laughs> but not using the micro expressions like a lot of people do as a lie detector. I use it as a truth seeker. Ah, I love that. And, and that's I told how you I really got started. That was about 20 years ago. 
<laughs> yeah, hey, profiling <laughs> me as we're as we're being interviewed, right? No, <laughs> I love it. I love your story. How you went from you know not being able to read people very well to now then taking that road, discovering those tools, and actually you've done so well and you've been very well renowned for what you're doing now. So you clearly you've gotten really good at these skills. <laughs> Everybody is when they're young. Now, every child knows how to read. All the parents who are listening to this, how often did your young children push you to the edge but not push you over the edge? (laughs) They're reading your facial expressions and your energy. They know exactly what's going on. But as we get older, we get involved in playing sports and other things and going to school. And it's like a muscle. If you don't work the muscle, it atrophies. And it's the same thing with you being able to read people. Mine, I started realising a lot earlier that I needed to understand things more because my first wife, when she left, I had three boys to raise on my own. They were four, 11 and 12. And so I started trying to learn more about them as I went along. So I've had a lot of things through my life that have caused me to start to look back at how do I connect with people. But a lot of people will still have the skill because they'll have a focus on people. And there's there'll be people listening to this who go, yeah, I'm pretty intuitive. I you know, I, I pick things up or I pick up people's energies and things like that. Other people will miss it completely, mainly because they haven't focused in that area. They focus somewhere else. So when it comes to teaching people how to read people, I'm really nothing more than a uh, personal trainer. You mm-hmm. know, when you were used to be younger and you were fit and then you started working, you're raising a family and everything mm-hmm. else, your body tone drops away, you want to get your fitness back, you go to the gym, you get a personal trainer and you get your body back into shape, well, I'm that personal trainer when it comes to reading people. Mm, that's so interesting. I love it. So can you give us a little bit of an example how parents can use it in their house with their kids and how that would be by learning some of these skills that would actually improve situations of communication with their family? Well, when you've got traits that are opposite to each other, you have a mismatch. You don't really connect and get through to the person. You don't read them. You don't know how to speak, speak to them the right way. Because if I may, I can see that you're you like the overview. Give me the overview first of all. If you're interested in that, then you'll you'll ask a few more questions. But it's usually a case if you're on a mountain peak and there was another mountain peak, you'd be going and you had to get from one to the other. You're told, okay, you've got to go over to this mountain peak. You're looking for the bridge. Whereas yeah. somebody who's analytical, they need to go down the bridge, or down the mountain, go across the valley, look at everything along the way, start to go up the other side and work out where they want to go there in the first place. So they'll take longer. They need to analyze things. So if you've got a parent that's say the analyst and the child just wants the overview mm-hmm. then when the parent's telling the child what to do they're nagging the child as far as the child's concerned mm-hmm. if it's the other way around the child will say yes but the parent's just given them enough information well but enough for the parent mm-hmm. but not enough for the child and the child will go yeah i got that but they haven't got it and that's just on one trait a young child there are certain traits that are passed down from the parents we've got what we call nature and nurture so we have the nature traits that are passed down in the dna We also then have the nurture traits, which are our response to our environment. So even in a newborn, there's a number of traits that we can see. Say a gift for music. I can tell you whether they're going to be fidgets, whether they're going to be able to sit still a lot or not. Before they go to school, we can work out what they're going to be like at school. And then as they're going through, we know what hobbies and sports will suit them at an early age. Mm. When they're in school and they're trying to work out, well, what career should I do? It can actually realise what sort of work will um, match their personality. So instead of just going, okay, what should I do? Oh, accountants make a lot of money. Okay, I'll become an accountant. Go to university, get a degree, then realise you don't want to do that. You don't do the work. You've got a, a debt now for the uh, university degree. 
And you know, what am I doing? Or you stay in that career and you're miserable all your life. And the end result is you've got to get a lot of money while you're working to pay for your medical bills because the mental health issues have come along. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm that, laughing because that describes so many people, right? We're at school. Exactly. We're just like, oh, Canada's make a lot of money. Let's do that. <laughs> and then can you imagine how much money these we would have saved is uh, if we'd known these things about ourselves or about our, if we're healthier kids to, to know these things too, like you could save so much money on tuition of, you know, useless courses or, you know, degrees they're going to get that they're not going to use that, you know, like really, I think that's a fascinating. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I realized that, you know, looking at a young child and if you're able to get the realize the traits they've got, you're able to see where their gifts are. If you can talk to the child in the way that they want to be spoken to Mm -hmm. the way they can understand things, you have a better connection with them. Mm. Now, as we know in Australia, the stats are that children or girls, I should say, first of all, who are, between the age of 11 and 15, more than 5% will attempt suicide. When it comes to uh, actually successful at committing suicide, the highest rate of the youth are the boys between 15 and 19. And so and we've got children who are as young as seven years old now self-harming. And they've also then got a lot of bullying as well. So if a child is unhappy or they've been bullied at home or somewhere else themselves, they'll bully others just to feel better about themselves. So the more that the parents can keep that connection and have a strong bond with their child in the early days, they're more likely to have that strong bond into the future. That was the one thing, even though I didn't have these skills with my three boys when I raised them from 4, 11 and 12, I had that bond with them because I I took a lot of care into making sure. Because here I am a dad, I'm the provider, I wasn't the nurturer, but now I had a nurturer's role. So by being conscious of having to be able to nurture them, I was probably conscious of a lot more things. And therefore, I've got a great bond with my boys and the oldest one now is 42 years old. Mm, that's awesome. And so by, you know, you were mentioning the suicide rate. So is there anything that we can do, you know, as our kids are growing up to really like stop, like prevent them from um, going down that route of self-harm or um, attempting suicide, um, especially with the boys that are actually a little bit older? What are some things like that we can do as parents to really um, help support that communication and that nurturing, just some of the things that you're talking about? Well, it always comes back to us. So come back to the foundation and relationships are the foundation of everything we have to do in life. Mm-hmm. The stronger you can build that relationship with your children, the more successful you're going to be at keeping their attention and keeping their uh, trust as well. And so, as I say, you know, as we're talking about business, we talk about know, like, and trust somebody. Mm-hmm. And when we have that trust, that's when we're able to do business. It's no different with our children. You know, be able to have that trust with them. They know that they can come and talk to us and we understand them. So it always comes back to building that relationship, first of all. And the best way to do that is to understand their personalities, mm-hmm. know how it's different to us and realise, well, and the thing I always say to parents is we're neither uh, carpenters or sculptors. Our job is not to turn our kids into something. We're gardeners. Our job is to nurture them to be the best version of themselves. So the more that we can understand the child, the more that we can understand their strengths and where their weaknesses are, we can then help them to strengthen their strengths. And we you know, at school, what we do is with our weaknesses, if we're bad at maths, we get more maths homework. Mm-hmm. We get maths tutors. We've got to get better at the weakness we have. But when we go out into the bigger world and we get a job, we're not going to go from get a job where we hate the work. <laughs> and so why should we work on our weaknesses? Get it to a level where, yes, we need maths to a certain level, but we don't have to be math specialists. Right. So find where their strength is and build the strength and promote that side of it because 
the things that we are best at are the things that we love to do. And that's directly aligned to our strengths. So the more that we do that, the happier the child's going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, my boys grew up and they said to me, well, one of my, um, I've got three nephews as well. And one of the nephews had his own business. He was into electronics and very successful. And my oldest boy said, well, you know, you must be proud of him, but what about us? And I said, I'm very proud of you guys. And, I said, and they said, but we don't have our own business. I said, look, I just wanted you to do what the best that you possibly could. I don't care what job you do. Mm-hmm. As long as you're happy, because if you're happy, then that's a better life to have. Having money is one thing, mm-hmm. but having happiness is overrules that all the way. Because that's if you're happy at work, you're happy at home, you're happier with your spouse, there's mm-hmm. less domestic violence, less angst there, your kids are happier. And so by understanding your children and helping them to be happier, you're actually working on yourself and become a better person yourself as well. And it's a win-win-win all the way around. Yeah, it's so much easier when everyone's happy, <laughs> right? I mean, it's interesting about you were mentioning about sports too. I mean, we we're just going through this with my daughter right now where, where, you know, we thought she like we she wanted to play soccer. And then when we got to the soccer field, she doesn't really actually want to play soccer. Um, and then we went to go sign up for T-ball. And she was like, no, I don't want to play T-ball. And, you know, so it's one of those things. It's like, oh, wait, you don't want to do that. Okay, so what are you going to do? Like, what is what is the sport for you? Or what is the activity that you enjoy? And, um, you know, it was interesting that it was coming from her as a five-year-old saying that, you know, I don't actually enjoy this. So, okay, as parents, mm-hmm. let's stop bringing her to the games. Let's stop pushing her, pushing soccer on her. But she's not enjoying it. Uh, it was more, like, more, you know, instead of just, hanging in there for the struggle until she starts enjoying it <laughs> you know that seemed like a good seems like a good thing to do yeah well a lot of parents do that they think well you know they should play a sport well I played a, a particular sport and therefore my children should play that sport because it's a good mm-hmm. sport but if their body structure is different to mine then you know it's not going to be a sport that they enjoy mm-hmm. if you think about it children who have got shorter legs They've got a lower centre of gravity, so they can turn very quickly, ballistic-type movement, movements. As they get older, you know, things that they may enjoy is dancing like salsa and Latin music, dancing, all the quick movements. Mm-hmm. If they're playing soccer, infield, because there's all the scrums with kicking the ball, et cetera, and getting it off the opponent, you've got to turn fast. The person who's on the wing, they're more likely to have the longer legs, the longer runs. So when I was, I've got very long legs and uh, arms compared to my upper torso. And when I played soccer, I was lost on the infield. But on the out, on the wing, that's mm-hmm. where I really yeah, picked up my speed. And that's where I played well. And so you've got the, if I was in the middle, I'm, you know, all uh, arms and legs and the opponents would get the ball every time. Uh, that makes but sense. Then, why I was a good midfielder. <laughs> Short so legs. It's knowing the, know the gifts of what the child has and then you know what uh, sports will actually fit them. But at the same time, having that conversation with them as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and the other thing is, well, if they don't enjoy the sport, is it just the sport or is it some of the, uh, the team? Is it something to do with their self-confidence? Mm-hmm. So we go, okay, we'll change the sport to another sport. And we find that they're self-confident, uh, uh, sorry, uh, they've got a lack of uh, confidence in themselves. And so you put them in the sports, competition sport, they're going to be uncomfortable there as well. But if you're able to work on, recognise that's the issue and you work on that, next thing you know, they can't wait to go and play that sport mm. because now all of a sudden they've got their confidence, they've got the other, they're connected to the other kids and everything else. You might have a child, because I know when you meet people for the first time, you like a little bit of space when you meet them. Not because you're not friendly, it's because you're more discerning. 
you want to check out who's safe to be around and who's not safe to be around. So if your child has got the same trait, mm -hmm. they're going to be a little bit more standoffish and the other kids may immediately go, what's going on here? Because they're all connected and running around mm -hmm. and that child then feels isolated. So they're not going to enjoy the sport. But it's not the sport they're not enjoying. It's the isolation that they're not enjoying. Yeah, that's so smart. Yeah, it's so interesting to look at it in those ways. Or as parents are busy and, you know, we're doing a million things. It's like, oh, wow, like just to take a step back and look at those things. And you're totally right. Like, mm. I think my daughter was just starting kindergarten. She's on a team that they already knew each other. That's probably why she didn't like going there. <laughs> you know, so I think that makes a lot of sense. And uh, yeah, just taking a step back. So what are some tips that parents can do as far as starting to pay more attention to their kids or starting to learn some of these things that, you know, yeah, just more, more um, <laughs> getting all tongue twisted. <laughs> just, you know, what are some things that can help our parents with paying more attention or learning these things? And do these things have anything to do with like NLP where it's like the words you say to your kids too? Is that also connected to with what it's you're It's also about? part of it as well. As mm -hmm. I said, first of all, you know, I talked about the facial features and a lot of people might be going, well, that sounds a little bit clairvoyancy. What's going on here? But if you think about, because there used to be an old belief that phrenology, you know, bumps on the head, the person would be a criminal or things like that, depending on the, the, the structure. Yeah. <laughs> that was proved to be a load of rubbish. Mm -hmm. What I'm talking about is the face itself, not the top of the head. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking about personality, not character. If you think about it, if you lift weights, you're going to build muscles up. Any muscle we work over and over, we're going to develop it. We also know that everything we feel inside, we express outwardly. So if we feel anger, we're going to have angry look on our face. Our body's going to show it as well. Mm -hmm. So our neurology and physiology, as they say, are linked. Whatever we're feeling, we're going to show in our body as well. So if you think in a certain way over and over again, and the, uh, the adults think about this, have a look in the mirror. If you've developed these little vertical lines or ridges or whatever, that's because of the concentration, pulling an expression while you've been thinking <laughs> over and over and over. And so it becomes a roadmap of how you like to think and process. And so that's what your face then gives away your personality. Then, as I said, once you've got the personality, then you know how to change the way you like to be spoken to to match the way the other person likes to be spoken to. I did a workshop a couple of weeks ago with um, about 50 dentists. It was part of their um, professional training. And uh, there was a couple who actually brought their young son along with them. There was He was about one and a half, two years old. And they'd asked me earlier on the day if I could have a look at his face and tell them a bit about him. Well, I brought them out at the end of the day to the front of the room and I pointed out some of the traits that he had and with a bit of a giggle as well because I told Dad, you know, I was going to give him a run for his money. <laughs> but, uh, the, the traits that their son had, but both parents had different traits as well. Mm -hmm. So each had to change differently, but they, so they both spoke to the child the same way and the way the child needed to be spoken to. But I could see straight away this was a boy who would not be able to do long-term projects. He likes to start and finish things quickly. So I could see a lot of uh, pressure coming because both the parents didn't have that trait. And so they were more like yourself, being able to do long-term projects and bring things together and work through them and do repetitive stuff, whereas this boy wouldn't be able to do that. So if they gave him a long-term project, he would fight them all the way through. He would find reasons to not do it and everything else. And the more they tried to get him to do it, there would be a lot of pressure on him. And on the boy, the boy would fight back as he's getting older. And they, they lose a connection. So now they know how to actually talk to him on that one trait as well. And we talked about the other traits. But the great thing was because of the difference in the parents' traits, I was then able to tell both of them the traits that I could see there. And I reckon there would have been some angst when he was had a problem, he was going to withdraw and work on it and she'd need to know what was going on. 
So I showed her how to talk to him to find out, is it her? No. Is it the, she, can she help him with it? No. Okay, yeah, I know you need to work on this your own, but come and talk to me when you, as soon as you work through it. His face just lit up. He went, finally. And then I said, mate, now it's your turn. And I said to him, she needs to vent. So you've only got one question to ask her, and that is, is it, you want me to fix this or you just want me to listen? And if she says she just wants you to listen, then listen. She's not, you know, you don't have to take it on. But she's very expressive and he's very much more holding it inside, what it feels like internally. And I said, so just hold her space. You care for her? He said, yes. And I said, well, hold her space when she needs to do that and she'll appreciate it. The smile was on her face then. <laughs> and so it doesn't matter what age we work with. Yeah. Now, the first thing, too, is that if the parents are going to work with the child, they need to know themselves and they need to know each other, yeah. and then they need to know their child because once they know each other, well, that's going to improve their relationship as well, which means they're going to be happier. Mm -hmm. The kids are going to pick that up as well because mm -hmm. kids will pick up all the energy. So the kids will be becoming happier. They'll also be wondering what's going on. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they would get curious about it. And then with both parents are talking to the child in the way the child needs to be spoken to, now you've got a strong family bond and everybody's happier in the whole arrangement. Absolutely. Yeah. There's so much value I see in just that from that story of like, oh my gosh, just if we could just know that right from the beginning, how to communicate with our kids and how to communicate with our, each other, how much less conflict there would be in, in disturbances in the households. You could just that's learn, it. if you could just learn those things about how to communicate with each other. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. That story alone, I think that's probably going to change that family's next five years to 10 years alone, <laughs> uh, just how they know those things now about them. So do you teach this in a course or do how do people learn this? Well, I've got um, online courses. One of the things, a lot of my courses, when I put them online, were picked up as professional development programs for accountants, real estate agents, mortgage brokers, uh, lawyers. And so they were learning it. At the same time, I thought, rightio, I need to get this into schools because school yes. teachers need to understand it. If they do, their life is going to be so much better at school because oh. the kids are going to be more connected to them. They'll have a lot more control. And the kids will get better results. So the uh, principal then will get um, recognition of that because they will have a high standard of performance in the school. Mm -hmm. That's got to be good for his or her reputation as well. But I then put a course together which was for both parents and school teachers. There's three traits in particular. Not a problem with the child, but they don't fit the education system. Mm. And so if people understand that, it's a short course. It takes about an hour to go through to learn those three traits. You profile yourself, you profile your child. It tells you how to change the way that you like to be spoken to to match them. But then it looks at the combination of the three traits that the child had, has. So if you look at the two extremes, mm. that's two to the power of three, which is eight possibilities. So if your child is this possibility, it talks about, well, if this trait gets triggered first, how the other two traits will get triggered. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter which one gets triggered first, the other two will then follow. How to deal with that, how to set up the environment, what things to look for. And uh, so that's a, a short course that I actually have online that people can use. That's and amazing. Actually, that's I'll, when, I'll give you the link to that one. And I'll also give you a discount code. So if anybody wants to purchase it and get it half price. 
Oh, that's amazing. Thank you. I think that's so fascinating that just by learning those things that you can really see how you can support your kids going through school. And oh my gosh, I was thinking about the four teachers uh, (laughs) and, you know, some of their classes and the mix of kids they have there. Like, oh my gosh, how much, how valuable would that be to learn that as a teacher too? Wow. (laughs) Well, remember too that, you know, as parents, we're a bit hard on the teachers you know, we expect a lot from our teachers in performance. There's no teacher that I know who started as a teacher because of the long holidays and the high pay. They started that profession because they love to work in that environment. But what we've found in Australia, 40% of teachers who um, uh, start their training never see the inside of a classroom except in their training itself. Oh, wow. Because, again, somebody told them they should become a teacher and, you know, they were directed to the wrong career. Out of the ones that do start teaching, 40% of those will drop out in the first five years. It becomes a a tough job because they're not able to do what they want to do simply because our education systems don't allow it. We're teaching kids subjects. We're not teaching them how to think. Mm. It's all rote learning. There's no uh, what we call problem-based learning or um, experiential learning. You bring those in, that's when the kids really get interested in learning. You're teaching them how to think. You're not teaching them a subject. And so just so much more valuable (laughs) to then take those skills into the real, into the world after school too. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to make sure that my boys, when they grew up, were not just focused on a particular subject or a particular career, but have the ability to be able to um, think for themselves in any situation. And in doing that, that gave them a much broader scope that they could then uh, look at a whole range of different things. And all they had to do was focus on what is it I love to do? If I get that right, then um, I'm going to be happy. And I think you just summed that up perfectly right there is that at the end of the day, all we want is our kids to be happy and our family life to be happy and our family unit to be a successful unit together. And so I think by spending a little bit of time investigating and learning these things about each other is going to make a huge world of difference. Do you have some, have you seen, I mean, you must have in your career must have seen some incredible changes in, in situations, uh, families or schools uh, from just learning some of these things? Yeah, well, I've got, it was about 10 years ago, um, I had a mother who had her son, six years old, has um, Asperger's. And she asked me, I was running an event for her. She also ran a singles group at the time. And uh, we called that how to avoid the psychopath and other practical dating tips and had a bit of fun with that. And while we were there, her son was running around. We're in a, an old theatre that we were using with a, and he was running around the balcony area. And she said, well, can you profile him? And I said, well, yes, I can. She, I said, will he sit still? She said, no. So I said, right, this is how I want five photographs taken. Send, take these and send them to me. But when I got them, he's in different outfits. So even she had problems in getting him to sit still. Well, I profiled him on that, gave her a written report, which she ended up taking back to the school teachers and the after-schools care because neither of them wanted him. They wanted him, you know, to be in special needs and everything else, which they got him, uh, put him into. But um, they said he would never, ever be able to do presentations in front of the class. Well, a year later, she got up in the town hall where I was running a um, part of one of the speakers of a health forum, and she gave a testimonial saying that he was now doing presentations in front of the class. A year and a half later, she did another testimonial where they no longer needed a psychologist, but um, and with the doctor's approval, had reduced his medication. As he went along, about 11 years old, he, wanted, he was in the regular part of the school. 
He uh, wanted to have a birthday party with all his mates from school. She vetted it at first, but decided she was going to have the party. Then she got in touch with me and said it was a boy, you know, noisy, but it was just a noisy boys' party. No problems whatsoever. At the age of 14, yes, they brought the psychologist back in because, you know, the hormones were starting to race at that stage. And I went, well, somebody else can handle that side of things. You know? <laughs> yeah. But uh, the thing that really got me yeah. was that at the age of 16, one of the girls at school had put a post up on the school um, blog that her mother had kicked her out of home. Her grandmother wouldn't let her in. She'd gone into care and then self-harmed. She ended up in hospital and she was, you know, had enough. Well, nobody responded to it except young Jack. Mm. He went over to her and went, right, this can't be. You need support. He took her back to his uh, mother because he knew his mother would, um, Kylie would actually do something, which she did. They got her back into with her mother but with the right support and everything else. Now, that was a boy that they said would never, ever do presentations or anything like that. And here he is, the only person, you know, at 16 years old, six foot four, he's a big boy, and he's the only one who stood up and looked after her. Wow. Now, this is what drives me in that when I realise that when people can make a connection with each other, but especially mm -hmm. with their children, it impacts dramatically on the child's life, but it also dramatically impacts on their own life and everybody else around them. Absolutely. And this boy has just shined I've worked with uh, school teachers in America uh, who um, had one teacher who got in touch with me. There was a boy in the after-schools care area uh, who was always seeing the principal. He's always in trouble. Mm -hmm. So I got the parents to send me some photographs. I then uh, sent them back a report, got the parents online and also uh, the uh, school teacher, profiled, the, uh, uh, profiled all of them and told each, all three of them how to change differently to match the, uh, the boy. He was 10 years old at the time. After that, no longer seeing the principal, behaviour changed completely, academic levels went up, and I got an email from his father a couple of months months ago. He's now 14 and uh, playing sport, academics level's really good and behaviour is brilliant. Wow, that's so, incredible. You know, all I do is the profile at the front end, give some advice, mm -hmm. and then people just follow that and they continually get results. That's so fascinating. I mean, he always at Bustle Parenting, we're always talking about we can start at the home and start here with ourselves and our children. Then what a better world we're going to create out there once they are nurtured and heard and understood and go out there in the world being better people. Yeah, I think that's fascinating. So I want to thank you, Alan, for joining us today. Uh, it's been really amazing hearing all the things that you're up to and all the ways that you can help support families. And um, we'll definitely link your course down below here. I think that's fantastic. Any other way that our families that are listening today can reach out and connect with you? Yes, yeah, so they can get me through my website, which is alanstevens.com and .au for Australia. They can contact me through there. And if they do go to the website, go to the success story tab okay. and you'll find video after video of people who are you know, talking about the results they've got from it. Absolutely. And it's, as I said, it's not just kids with uh, special needs. I've got parents who just weren't connected to their children and now have completely changed their relationships. Yeah, so just amazing. regular everyday kids. Wow, I love it. And so excited for the work that you do, Alan. You're changing lives and it's so amazing. So thank you for spending your time with us today. And I've been looking forward to this interview for a long time. So now I know more about what you do and what you're up to. I'm definitely going to go check it out and learn more about my family so we can have a really peaceful, 
peaceful experiences with each other. And I think that's what all families do want at the end of the day. (laughs) Successful families. Yeah. So thank you, Alan and blissful parents out there. Go and check out Alan's website and all the things he's got over there. Check out the success stories and all check out what's happening in your own home. Maybe you can do something about it and start with it. Start with yourselves today. So thank you guys and see you all in next week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Blissful Parent Podcast. For complete transcriptions of this show, as well as helpful links to resources mentioned in this episode, please visit our website at theblissfulparent.com.